0: Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's show, a quick reminder that this podcast is free for everyone and supported by those who can afford it. So uh, if you have found this podcast a useful companion during 2020, and you'd like to see it continue through 2021, I would invite you to go to plantyourself.com slash gift. If you are in a position where you have the means to support something that means something to you and hopefully uh, you think is doing good in the world. You can use PayPal or Patreon. You can make a one-time contribution or become an ongoing sustaining patron of the show. And if funds are too tight for you to show your appreciation in a monetary sense, you can still leave a review of the Plant Yourself podcast on whatever platform you listen to the podcast. That also helps us a great deal. All right, on to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com, The Big Change Program, and wellstarthealth.com. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live an unlimited and sufficiently uncomfortable life. Today, I'm pleased to welcome back a repeat guest, Bob Cafaro. He's a professional cellist. He's the author of an inspirational book, When the Music Stopped, and he is an ass kicker of multiple sclerosis. If you missed our first conversation, you can check it out at plantyourself.com slash one five three. Gosh, that was a couple of years ago, I guess. Anyway, Bob's back because I subscribed to his newsletter, and every month or so he'd send out like a really good article. He's got almost nothing to sell except for his book. He's still a professional performing cellist, so it's not like he started up a, a company that sells anything. And so I just read his newsletter for his insights. And he wrote one about stuff that we didn't talk about in the initial interview, things that I've become very interested since, like super hydration, like intermittent fasting, and like cold showers and ice baths, and basically adapting ourselves to discomfort so that we can lead healthy, happy lives. So this is a short episode, so if you're queuing this up for your five-hour Saturday run, um, go find something else. This is going to be uh, under an hour for the whole thing, including intro, outro, and music. Speaking of music, I just grabbed off of YouTube um, a little bit of Bob playing the Elgar Cello Concerto in E minor with the South Jersey Youth Orchestra. Bob volunteered as their guest soloist, so... Let's enjoy a few seconds of that before we get into our interview. So without further ado... Bob Caffaro, welcome back to the Plant Yourself podcast.
1: Howard, it's a pleasure to be back with you. Uh, I know we've communicated in email a few times, but uh, it's always nice to be in the digital flesh, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and you're you're looking great. So, those of you who are listening to the audio, we are recording a video of this, which will be in, in linked in the show notes. So, uh, you're, you're looking great. So, I guess everything's still working.
1: Everything is great. I'm, uh, I'm living the dream. I've got uh, a true second chance at life and I'm trying to do something with my life the second time around. So, you know, not awesome. many people get a second chance at life and that's what I have. So,
0: yeah. So I wanted to talk to you because you, you just put out a newsletter. And by the way, you have a wonderful newsletter and I hope you'll tell people how they can get on it because it's, uh, I, you know, I don't read a lot of newsletters anymore, but yours is one that I always look forward to.
1: I do it monthly, and uh, just in case, uh, quickly, in case anyone wants to get it, just shoot me an email info at and you'll be added to the list. So anybody that purchases a book on my website or sends me an email is, you know, gets on the list. So and I, I again, I keep the email, I keep the newsletter rather on the short side. You know, it's not going to be a ten page newsletter. It's just some interesting things.
0: So I wanted to do two things. One is to kind of hear how things have been since we last talked, and then in your last newsletter you mentioned some particular practices that you had not mentioned in the book, and we didn't talk about it all. So, so first, how are things? What's what's been happening? I think we probably talked maybe a year, year and a half ago,
1: um,
0: maybe longer. So
1: what's what's new? Yeah. Things were good. Uh, Let's see, I've uh, hooked up with Dr. Terry Walls. She contacted me out of the blue and invited me as a guest speaker at the Walls Protocol Seminar. That was 2017. So I went there to Cedar Rapids, Iowa in August, and I spoke. I brought books out. I played the cello. I answered questions and met a lot of inspirational people, people that, you know, you think There are just a few people that are able to turn these chronic illnesses around. And there is a whole collection of people with such determination. And that was, you know, very inspirational to go there. Mm. And uh, basically, I've become quite close with Dr. Walls. Uh, You know, things have been really good uh, since we spoke last. I um, just, you know, I I started the newsletter uh, late last year. And uh, my health has been perfect. Um, I feel like I'm getting healthier and younger by the day, if that sounds crazy. Uh, I'm, I'm
0: curious because, uh, you know, you clearly went to this, uh, the Dr. Walls uh, conference already completely confident and convinced in, an, in our ability to heal ourselves. But seeing so many other people there, were there sort of newcomers for whom that was a kind of a huge insight or revelation that... The, this, this, there's actually proof that this stuff works.
1: Sure. Yeah, you've had people that have you know turned themselves around from a a point of near complete debilitation to a pretty normal life, and uh, which is what Dr. Walls did. You know, she was wheelchair bound for four years, and now she lives a normal life. She's not in a wheelchair, so it's uh, pretty fascinating. And then I have someone. Uh, I, I'm not at liberty to disclose his name, but. He was one of the very first people to buy my book, and he was wheelchair bound, and uh, he was able to take three steps out of a wheelchair. And now he's at 104 steps, and his neurologist told him that now he should stop using a wheelchair. Wow! So he follows it very strictly, you know, my my regimen of hydration, drinking half his body weight in uh, filtered water per day, you know, a plant-based diet, organic uh you know, exercise meditation to learn the placebo effect and he's he's off all medication. And again I'm not you know I'm I'm not condoning that everyone get off medication. I'm not a doctor and I have no authority to give any advice on medication. So,
0: right. so one clarification when you say half your body weight in water, you mean that many pounds in ounces, right? You don't mean right. you should drink a no, hundred right. pounds of water a day.
1: Oh yeah, I don't think you <laughs> hundred pounds. So I'm at 160 pounds. I drink 80 ounces a day minimum. And if I'm on the bike in hot weather, I'll probably maybe even double that. Again, not in one sitting, just do it throughout the day. Great.
0: All right. So can we talk about the stuff you hadn't talked about in the book, the, um, I guess the, the cold therapy, right? Right. And so, and some, uh, and some other related things. So where, where did you first, where did you first discover this stuff?
1: Well, it ha- what happened was uh, I was first diagnosed. My first symptoms of MS started textbook. Uh, December 1998, numbness in the right leg. February 1999, optic neuritis in the left eye. I received my first diagnosis of MS. Uh, July of 1999, optic neuritis in the right eye. You know, after my second treatment of intravenous steroids, then things went off the edge of the cliff for me. I wound up hospitalized for severe dehydration. I couldn't retain food or water for a week. Uh, At that point, I was unable to move my hands. I was legally blind in both eyes. I was incontinent. You know, the entire spectrum was gone. Uh, I could hardly walk. I was no physical strength. At that point, I was told I'd be on permanent disability. I started uh, my own research and came up with hydration and that was when I saw my first sign of improvement and what happened was I was so terrified of a dreaded fourth attack because they were becoming stronger each time. I was so worried about overheating the body that I started unknowingly exposing my body to cold on a regular basis. So what I was doing, I was taking cold showers every day this way to avoid heating the body and then I was biking once I found out I could bike, I began increasing the amount of time and the distance on the bike. So here I was. I was biking in, say, you know, high 30s, 40 degrees. I'm biking with a T-shirt and a windbreaker on and a pair of tights, and that was it. So it's very cold weather, but I'm subjecting my body to cold, and I kept biking long distances in sub-freezing mm-hmm. temperatures with a minimum amount of clothing. So what, what was the
0: theory about, like, what was the problem with heat?
1: The problem is, you know, that uh, I think people with MS rightly should avoid overheating the body. You know, and it was one neurologist, this was Fred Lublin, who's now head of neurology at Mount Sinai in Manhattan. I had seen him in Hahnemann Hospital, and he told me a good, ground, uh, good rule of thumb is, do not exercise to the point you're sweating. Mm-hmm. So I I took that advice to heart and I really went through great lengths to you know keep my body from overheating. And there were a lot of things I did. I would bike in 95 degree weather but I would use a heavy cotton shirt. I would wet it and then keep that shirt wet. Well, and that really, you know, a wet cotton is a great heat exchanger. You know, they say if you Go backpacking, cotton kills, because wet cotton clothing will rob body heat from you. But if it's 95 degrees and you're worried about overheating your body, it becomes your best friend at that point. So uh, what I was doing was I was biking in sub-freezing temperatures. I was keeping my house very cold, and I was taking cold showers every day. And I wasn't aware what I was doing until later on my son, who's a professional MMA fighter, He actually went to Wim Hof. He's the the ice man known because he's famous for subjecting his body to intense cold for extended periods of time. You know, he swims in Arctic waters. He submerses his body in ice baths for something like 90 minutes. And what he does, and I didn't know about him at the time. My son went to a seminar and he was telling me all about his breathing technique to force oxygen into the blood to keep it you know circulating keep the extremities warm and also that this is going to change your immune system and it was funny because uh, the doctor the neuro-ophthalmologist who told me I would be on permanent disability believes that I changed my immune system from going to a plant-based organic diet that I changed the microbiome in my gut And also, he thinks that when I was doing extensive cycling outside, I was getting high levels of vitamin D. And he referred to the link between low levels of vitamin D and high levels of MS. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So what I'm beginning to think that subjecting my body to cold on a regular basis was another way that I changed my immune system. And if you think that everything that we do is in a constant temperature, our house our car, you go food shopping, you go to work, everything you do, it's 75 degrees, right? Mm -hmm. And the human body is able to adapt, but we lose that body's ability to adapt by keeping in a constant temperature. And, you know, I think there's a price to pay for that. So You know, it was funny that uh, over Christmas, I had a long discussion with a U.S. Army ranger, and he was in Afghanistan, and he told me that he was outdoors for 35 days, and he had to sleep in sub-freezing temperatures with no coat. And it was funny to hear his whole theory on how the human body loses the ability to adapt and the cost that we incur by losing that ability. So I think that was another step I had taken, and it was another benefit that I had unknowingly been subjecting my body to cold, therefore getting my immune system to adapt.
0: So did you also do, you said you did the the cold showers, did you go to ice baths or anything more extreme than cold showers?
1: No, but I did cold showers every day because I was terrified of overheating my body. So here I had guessed right again. So was that was that
0: a hard thing to do? Because like you know, a plant based diet is basically you know you're basically just eating food. But like in my own experiences, like approaching cold, especially from the place of being a soft seventy five degree adapted animal, did you did you have uh, was it easy for you to just jump into the cold? um, You know, going outside cold and taking the cold showers, or was there a period of this is just awful?
1: Well, to me, you know, I explained to people that I was not in a fight against an illness. I was in a fight for my survival, and I wasn't going to lose this fight. And basically, I was willing to sacrifice anything and everything, including everyday comforts. Anything that would help me was done, regardless of how I felt. That's how desperate I was to get my life back. So to me, if I was uncomfortable, that's such a small, insignificant price to pay.
0: Mm. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm hearing in what you say, you know, the echoes of a lot of people that I work with that I coach who don't feel like they're in that kind of fight. And so they're, they're not bringing everything they've got to it. And when I look at you now, like, yeah, you were fighting for your survival, but what you got was so much more than survival.
1: Right. Absolutely. And I I tell people that, you know, if you just, you know, you're diagnosed with a chronic illness and you just take the latest medication, and nothing else. You're essentially bringing a knife to a gunfight. Hmm. So you've got to really arm yourself to the teeth and know that you're going to be the last one standing. That's That was my take on the whole thing.
0: So so for cold showers, did you... How did you do Did you just jump in cold? Or did you just start at a, at a comfortable no, temperature? I, I, would
1: just, I would just dribble the water and take my time with water dribbling. I mean, that's intense to take a ice cold shower. And I wasn't knowingly setting out to do that. Mm -hmm. I was just setting out to keep my body cool. So I would just, just a small dribble and then I would, you know, shampoo, soap up and then rinse off in the cold dribble. You know, and it takes a little more time, but I think it was effective. Uh Are you still
0: using cold practices?
1: I still do. Yeah. And now it's since my son really inspired me, I I go outside and I try to subject my body to cold on a regular basis, like I'll go out for a walk or a quick jog in sub-freezing temperatures with just a pair of shorts on. Mm. I think, you know, you do that, you breathe, and I find that the best thing to do is you take your breath, you do your deep breathing, your last breath, you breathe in, you hold it, and then you push like you're trying to go to the bathroom. You push hard and you force that oxygen into your extremities to keep the body warm.
0: Because hmm. I, I know I, I interviewed uh, Scott Carney, who wrote a book about Wim Hof, among other people, called What Doesn't Kill Us. And he, he gave a in the book a kind of a, a basic sort of 15 minute Wim Hof breathing exercise that I've been doing most mornings where you're, right, you're like kind of hyperventilating and right. then breath and then holding breaths. And I wasn't exactly sure. Like, this is weird to say as a guy who like, writes about science, but I wasn't exactly sure what it was doing for me. Um, but it felt good.
1: Well, I think any deep breathing, you know, it was funny. I, I studied, uh, I took yoga from a, a yoga instructor whom I really respect. And she says that a whole cycle of yogic breathing provides the same benefit as five miles of running. And I'm, I believe that because when you do that systematic breathing to oxygenate the blood and circulate it throughout the system, I mean, that's essentially what Wim Hof is doing, is yogic breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, the science of yoga is 5,000 years old. So that's, I think, what Wim Hof is doing, essentially. He's got yogic breathing down to suit his needs. Mm-hmm. So what what, uh, what
0: got your son interested in Wim Hof? Uh,
1: well, he started wrestling in high school, and then he basically, you know, morphed into uh, – MMA fighting. I don't know how. And he is. uh, It's funny because I, you know, if, if you don't believe in genetics, I look at him and I see the way he devotes his entire life to MMA fighting, the way I devoted my entire life to the cello, the way I devoted my entire existence to beating an incurable illness. That's the way he is. I mean, everything about his life, his diet, his, you know, Everything about his lifestyle he keeps track of the amount of water he drinks. You know, when he has to make weight for a fight, he'll get down to twenty five pounds below his normal weight. And then in twenty four hours, he'll gain twenty pounds for the fight. And it's just fascinating to watch how he sacrifices anything and everything for something he loves.
0: Mm. And so he he thought that Wim Hof was going to give him some sort of edge.
1: Yeah, well, he went to Wim Hof seminar in New York. And, uh, you know, he's so proud of his picture with Wim Hof. And my son subjects himself to ice water every day. He takes cold showers, and then he has a big, uh, a giant recycling pail, and he fills it with water, and then he dumps in bags of ice. And uh, in the winter, he'll go out and break the ice off and then get in there for, you know, maybe 10 minutes or so. Wow. He does it every day. Yeah. He's <laughs> So, you know, it's funny, you know, you you know, you're getting old when your children start teaching you things, you know. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: you know. so have you gotten a recycling
1: pail yet? No, but um, I've gotten back to, you know, being outdoors in the cold and, uh, you know, dribbling the cold water in the showers again. I've gotten back to it.
0: Right. Because I, I really have trouble with the showers because it just feels because my shower is like one of these, you know, low flow, environmentally conscious showers. And so it's yeah. just like constantly like. Dinging me, I, I, what I do is I'll take a bucket of, of cold or ice water, five gallon bucket, and slowly pour it over myself in the morning. It just feels like a like a, a punch rather than like death by a thousand blows.
1: Well, you know, I, I, I'm beginning to think that that really does turbocharge your immune system because you know you're you're forcing your body to adapt. Yeah, that's, that's I, and quite- I, I, Sorry, go ahead. That's my take on it, that you're, you're forcing changes to your immune system by doing that.
0: Yeah. I think in, in that book about Wim Hof, he talked about the immune system, you know, especially around autoimmune diseases, that one of the reasons we're, we have such high prevalence of it in our culture is because of all the comfort that right. the, you know, the, the immune system without something to fight against is like a, a puppy, a bored puppy left in the house. It's just going to start chewing on whatever it can find.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, they say that, that, you know, one reason that a lot of children have allergies so bad is because, you know, we live in such a clean environment. You know, every speck of dust is removed from the air and the kids are not exposed to germs or dirt or anything. And their their immune systems never learn how to develop because they live in such a sterile environment.
0: Yeah, I think my, my children should be very pleased that I'm a slob. <laughs> I did them a big favor.
1: I love it. Yeah. So, Excellent.
0: So what's what's new for you? What's 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 coming up?
1: Um so no, the other thing I did was uh you know, I was drinking so much water that I was intermittently fasting, unknowingly oh, right. I was fasting for twelve to fifteen hours a day. And the reason is I would start every morning by drinking almost two liters of water. And when you're putting that much water into your system, there's no room for food. So you know, I, my first sensation of hunger would occur around maybe 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And this mm. is more than 12 hours after I ate. So when I met with Dr. Walls, I videoed our conversation and I put it up in segments. And she talked about when you fast, the human body, the cells of the body go into heal and rebuild mode. And I didn't realize that I had been fasting for 12 to 15 hours every day. And what happened was she really got me into this, and I started fasting again one day a week for 36 hours. And uh, recently, I fasted for 96 hours on water alone. I drank three and a half liters of water per day for 96 hours, which is four days. Uh, and were
0: you were you um, fully functional at that time, or were you just sort of staying home, taking days off? I
1: felt weak and tired after two days, but after four days, I felt like I was on helium. You know, I felt very light and clean. All the normal aches and pains were gone. And I only ate because I thought I should after four days, because I had never gone that long intentionally without food. Mm.
0: And we're so much more efficient when we're not constantly like cooking and eating and cleaning.
1: Right. And if you think that, you know, especially the older we get, right, our caloric needs diminish drastically, but yet you know, if you think that in our society we don't eat because we're hungry, we eat because it's time to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're on a schedule. It's time for breakfast. It's time for lunch. Time for dinner. Have a midnight snack. You know, and how much food does the human body really need? And I believe that the human body was meant to go extended periods without food. And again, we don't know how to adapt because we've lost the ability. We've lost the sensation of hunger. And I believe there's a price to pay for that as well.
0: Right. So these are, um, these are all like immuno, immune challenges.
1: Right. So I've gotten back to, you know, religiously fasting one day a week for 36 hours. And in that 36 hours, I drink about five liters of filtered water. So, uh, you know, just uh, as a note here, I'm up in Saratoga, New York right now. Saratoga Springs. And I'm volunteering my week, and you know, I do a lot of volunteer work, and I'm visiting schools. I visit two to three schools a day for five days right now, and I get water out of the Saratoga Spring here. There's a big uh, pavilion. There are several of them in the area, and you can go get the spring water, and it's just amazing. It's one of the only places where I don't filter the water before I drink. Yeah.
0: Wow. So what are you, are you talking to kids about music or about health or everything?
1: Yeah, I really don't talk about health because it was the, uh, Saratoga is a place that was transformational for me as a student. Uh, it really inspired me to love the cello and devote devote my life to it. And, uh, you know, that's basically, I, I want to give back to a program. I came here, a program called the School of Orchestral Studies. In This was in August of 1975, and it was something that changed my life forever. And I am so grateful, so I want to come up here and I give back. I volunteer one week a year and i visit visit the schools every day and it's just uh it's, it's magical for me to be here yeah.
0: so I realize you you don't have any um you know before or after control uh, to um, to answer this question but i'm I'm really curious what's your thoughts on just the healing power of immersing yourself in music?
1: I believe music is a major uh, a major benefit because it uses parts of the brain that would otherwise not be used. And, you know, it's funny, I've I've read more about this, and if you realize that all the things that take place when you're playing a musical instrument, right, the coordination of an athlete, you have, uh, you know, the mind of the scientist, you're interpreting, you're creating, you're doing so many things with the brain when you're playing an instrument, Right. And I think that that has such benefits because to me, the mind is such an untapped resource when it comes to healing the body. And, you know, I I talked about this in my book, The Placebo Effect. And if you look at how, you know, you get all these people in the placebo groups of clinical trials that inexplicably improve and it's written off as an anomaly by science and medicine. But to me, it's not that these people unknowingly possess some ability of their mind to make changes to the body. So you know, having believed this, you know, and anybody that uh, dis- disagrees with me on this should look at the, the minoxidil-rogaine, uh, minoxidil-rogaine clinical trial study where 18% of the men in the placebo group started growing hair where they didn't have it. So uh, any disbelievers out there should uh, should tell me they should explain that one to me how that takes place, All
0: right right. I just started listening to an audio book on the placebo effect it's um it's got some really interesting science it's called suggestible you mm-hmm. um, by eric Vance and it 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 looks at sort of the the latest neuroscience of placebo um, in terms of like you can you can actually find neural circuits that, that certain drugs will block so that the placebo effect simply will not work. So they're discovering, I think, that the placebo effect, it's not just like, you know, oh, you're suggestible or, you know, you're like weak-minded and the doctor, you know, like you, or you can fool yourself. They're like actual, um, you know, neurochemical tra- pathways in the brain that are specifically designed to heal you.
1: Yeah, that makes good sense yeah
0: right. and like some really interesting studies where there was placebo effect even when you told people this is a placebo that it, it was actually subconscious like the brain says oh pill is placebo the same way that like pavlov's dogs were salivating right. so you don't so you don't actually have to believe it you don't have to be the sort of person who like can be fooled. It's not about gullibility. Even if you say, if I say to you, this is a placebo pill, that your body will start acting, uh, you know, just just based on sub, a subconscious trigger.
1: Wow, yeah, fascinating. Yeah. yeah, I'm a firm believer in the placebo effect. You know, and it's, it was funny. I talk about uh, in my book. I have a chapter, people who accomplished the impossible these people who did things. And one of them passed away recently, uh, Roger Bannister. Mm-hmm. I said to say, see him leave us. But uh, I never got to meet him, but I did get a picture of him with my book. He's one of the people I had written about. But I believe that these people whom I had uh, written about, you know Nando Perato in Survival, uh, Nolan Ryan, pitcher in sports, Yasha uh, Heifetz, the violinist, and uh, some people may disagree with me on this, but Lance Armstrong, the cyclist, but if you put these people in a placebo group of a clinical trial, these people would all get better because they have that ability to basically focus their minds and accomplish whatever they want and you know healing the body would just be another accomplishment for them right on yeah.
0: so uh, what have you got coming up I know your your your, your newsletter is is growing and I know you, you mentioned earlier that you're you know, you've got five jobs. You're not sure, like, how far you want to take the, the healing part of, of your of your journey. Any, anything yeah.
1: well, uh, you I, should I, be I've looking got, out for? Well, I, I've got uh, a cello recital this Sunday, and then I play the Elgar Cello Concerto with the Youth Orchestra in South Jersey on Wednesday. So I'm kind of married to the cello right now. Uh, social media has kind of been put on the back burner right now. But, uh, you know, when you're doing high-level playing in front of people, you want to be up there with uh, the cello in your hands and not part of your anatomy. So, <laughs> you
0: to,
1: well, I, I'm alluding to the Godfather. <laughs> I'm sure we know that scene. Didn't want his brother coming out of the bathroom with just, uh, never mind. So, yeah, I anyway. think the, those who got it, got it. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, my, my true love is playing the cello and, and music. And uh, you know, I try to do what I can with it. All right. You know, I stay in shape. I devote a lot of time and effort and love to it. So.
0: Right. Well, so uh, the website for people who want to kind of follow along is Bob Right.
1: And also I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I also have a video series on YouTube. Uh, you can look, uh, links on Facebook. It's the Bob Kafaro on Facebook and Instagram. So
0: great. Well, I'll include links into all that in the show notes. And it's, yeah, yeah it's great to uh, to check in
1: and uh, yeah to you again. great to be in touch, great to hear your voice and great to see your face again you know and again, I admire what you do so much and you know keep spreading the good word. I know you have a big following and it's 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 phenomenal what you do
0: well, you know, it's, it's nice when you have the the truth is the wind at your back, right
1: that it is, yeah okay. so.
0: Bob, thanks so much for taking the time and for continuing to uh, to be a pioneer and an
1: inspiration. Yeah, Howard, thank you for inviting me to appear on your podcast.
0: Well, I hope you got out of that interview as much as I did in terms of my rededication to what we'll call grit, what uh, CEO of WellStart, Olivia Kelly, likes to refer to as gritification, as in instant gritification, as in the opposite of instant gratification, where we're... Willingly putting ourselves into uncomfortable situations and circumstances to build our anti fragility, to build our body and our mind's ability to adapt to the various circumstances that life throws at us, because if we don't have the ability to adapt, then things are going to come along that we're not going to be able to adapt If you remember my interview number 197, so if you go to plantyourself.com slash 197, you can hear me talk with Scott Carney, the author of the very aptly named book, What Doesn't Kill Us? Subtitle, How Freezing Water, Extreme Altitude, and Environmental Conditioning Will Renew Our Lost Evolutionary Strength. So Bob is a prime example of what happens when we give our immune system something challenging to do on a regular basis it kind of doesn't have time or energy to do autoimmune stuff like multiple sclerosis. Uh, let's take care of some business. If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast and you'd like to support the mission of the show, you can subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. If you're looking for Big Bang for Little Buck, that's the one thing to do. That increases our listenership and our promotional scope more than anything else that you can do in two minutes without spending any money. Speaking of money, if you'd like to spend some to support the show, you know, just kind of like an NPR fun drive. This is the 15 second version um, within every hour or so of podcasting. You can go to patreon.com slash plant yourself and you can make a monthly ongoing contribution to the show. Every time I get another bunch of subscribers, I upgrade something. I've upgraded audio. I've started upgrading some videos so I can throw these on YouTube. I just uh, upgraded a beautiful travel kit. And I just came back from Plantstock 2018, the Engine 2 event, which was phenomenal, which I'll be talking about in a couple of weeks. And I managed to um, grab a pretty decent audio recording of a big change panel featuring Josh Lajani, Adam Sud, Ken Lander, and Joseph Alexander. And if you don't know those guys' stories, you should, everybody should, and we'll be uh, sharing their their answers to a bunch of of audience Q&A probably next week. So for everyone who's contributed, you helped me get the right gear to to capture that beautiful lightning in a bottle. If you're looking for help with your own big change, go to wellstarthealth.com, read all about it, and you can sign up to be notified of our, our next cohort. We just had one start. So we're going to be waiting a few weeks before starting a new one. But if you do get on the waiting list, you will get dripped some great content to kind of get you engaged and get you going before the official cohort begins. If you'd like to check out the show notes for today's episode with links to all the things we talked about, you can go to plantyourself.com 284. And if you're new to this show, you can catch up on 283 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. The last two have both been musically based. That's not usual. Mostly it's a a focus on health uh, with a lot of talk about food and nutrition. But uh, we're on a musical roll, so why not? In garden news, Mia harvested the edamame today, the soybeans, and we are eating tons and tons of these fresh soybeans, like the kind you pay like five bucks for a small bowl in a, a Japanese restaurant. We are up to our ears and they are delicious. Um, we also are overgrown with Tulsi, also known as holy basil. And we were going to pull all that out today, but then Mia noticed that the bees were really enjoying it and just taking these wonderful, luxurious pollen baths in the Tulsi flowers. So They stay. And we'll just have to make do with less space. And they like to grow in the path. So it was kind of a pain in the ass to get around them. But uh, we do what we can. And, of course, the bees pretty much always come first because they are our best workers in the garden. In running news, I led a couple of fun, shortish runs up at Plantstock. But it's so hilly up there. They felt like longish runs. took yesterday off and I'm running slow, but uh, I just keep telling myself I'm building my Zone 2 capacity and still looking for a fun race to enter maybe later in the fall or maybe in the winter, some someplace in the south, someplace nice and warm. Okay, so thanks to Will Ridenauer for letting me use Sabali Don the Dance of Peace as this show's theme music. We'll close with it. And if you want to keep listening to more cello stuff... I'll include a link to the full Elgar concerto and E-minor on YouTube in the show notes for today's episode. And of course, thanks to all you Plant Yourself podcast patrons, as in... Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hadley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Alan Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barron's Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina and Jennifer Konofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rollins, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkus Remes Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franz, Jeanette Benham, Gia Lacerde, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov. Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Linderman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Ahmad, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable Harry R, Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corker, and Kelly Machia, Dean Norton, Bonnie Lynch, of Plant Happy Oregon, Sabine Kurtz, Sabina Kurtz, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Kopel, Shell Ridley, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell... Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rolls, Linda Ayat, Julie Lang, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzan, Wakani, Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Aviva Lael, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olikoski, a plant power for health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle and Jesse Cheryl Dwyer, Hallie Shendy, Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Dibbitt, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny. Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Cassia, Emily Iconelli, and welcome to Levy Wallach. And thanks to you all for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherly, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Barons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Kinoski, David Bizek, Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkus, Rhymes of Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Patterson, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, <laughs> hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Fronczak, Jeanette Benham, Gillis, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Doron Visov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen. Ruth Ann Thunderberg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Linneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmad, and Nolly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, D.N. Norton, Bonnie Lynch, at Plant, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Gardi Zetu Connie Hainlein, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divits, Summer Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Lynne Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iconelli, Levy, Wallach, Rosamond Mackate, Dan Stephen Steven Leenon, Patty Di Martino, Mike and Donna Cartz, and Bishop, Bill Briel, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, or Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Paran Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sitaraska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Ed Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, Michael Lushton, and Sarah Johnson